of us are probably very familiar with, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Now, you know, a lot of times the month of February, there's a focus on something called love, right? We sang that song tonight, Love Lifted Me. How many of you know that when you got saved, he picked you up out of a horrible pit, right? Set your feet upon a rock and establish your goings, right? Anybody else saved tonight? Amen. Yeah, I thought I was talking to a bunch of saved people here, you know. Now listen, it's important for us to understand the Word of God. And, and, you know, I was just asking the Lord as we've been going through various things on Wednesday nights. And Wednesday night's a good time to do Bible studies. Folks ask me, Pastor, what do you, what do you speak on Wednesday nights? And a lot of times it just it may be something God lays on my heart. And I got to thinking about this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And I, really, over the years, I've had many discussions with folks, and there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to the context surrounding this chapter. Now, you have to understand that if we're going to be students of the Word of God, we have to look at God's Word in its context. Uh, if you've, you've ever been around people who, who may not be a part of a true Bible-believing church, uh, they've got misconceptions about things. A lot of times here's what they do is they'll take something from the Bible and they will lift it out of its context and they will isolate it. And sometimes they'll even build a doctrine or a teaching around that. But listen, what we need to do is understand it where God placed it in his word. So tonight I want you to see, we're going to start tonight, maybe go another week or two with this, but there's so many great nuggets here in 1 Corinthians 13. Tonight we're going to look at the first three verses. And the Bible says in verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not what? Charity. He says, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I, can, I could remove mountains and have not what? Charity. Charity. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not what? Charity. Charity. It profiteth me nothing. Now this chapter is over the years has come to be known as the, the, the love chapter many times. And people go there because they act like it makes them, feel, and maybe it does, maybe it makes people feel good when they go there. But I know this as you study the Word of God. Here's what the Bible tells us, that God is love. That's the, to me, that, that settles everything right there. Uh, we as human beings... Uh, take the word love and we totally twist it, pervert it, change it. But what we need to understand is biblical love. And as we look tonight as, at this uh, chapter and we really just get started, I find that love is God's greatest gift to the church because remember, God is love. Well, if love is God's greatest gift to the church, what does that mean? That means God's greatest gift to the church is himself. Isn't that awesome? You think about how God has given us himself. We need the Lord. 
And God has been so good to us as his people. And look, God has given us more than we deserve. How many of you would agree with that? <laughs> right? God's just been so very good to us. And I realize time to time we have trials and we, we endure things. We go through certain things. But all in all, we understand how very blessed we are. God has provided for us a way or the means of salvation. Look, to the vilest person, God will save to the uttermost. Jesus Christ died for everyone. And I think about not only this matter of salvation that he's provided, but I think of a lot of the promises. And I, I'm not going to take the time to go through promise after promise, but I wanted to share a few of them with you tonight as you think about how good God's been to us. How about the promise of his presence where Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. How about the promise where he has promised that he will take care of us. And the Bible says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How about this one? The promise of a home in heaven someday. Jesus said this, Jesus said, and I give unto them what kind of life? Eternal. Eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. See, when a person gets saved, and you study the Word of God, here's what you find is, is that, that as we are saved by the grace of God, God has given to us by His Holy Spirit what we oftentimes refer to as spiritual gifts, pneumatikos. Now, this is where, as I develop into the lesson tonight, this is where a lot of the misunderstanding takes place. You see, as we are saved, the Holy Spirit of God gifts us. He gives things to us, but listen, those gifts that he gives to us, he gives them to us so that we can use them for his kingdom work, so that we can be used of God in the areas that God has gifted uh, each one of us. And so understand that there is an intention, and you find this if you take the time, and I won't go back and read, but if you just flip back one chapter, you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and over in Romans chapter number 12, those spiritual gifts being mentioned. Now, listen, remember what I was saying? Context. Are you with me tonight? Okay, now look, I know it's Wednesday night and you're tired. Stay with me. This is a Bible study. Okay? So watch this. If we're in 1 Corinthians 13 and we're talking about love, all right? Right before he gets to 1 Corinthians 13, he mentions those spiritual gifts that he has given to us. And again, you've got to keep things in context. He's talking about those gifts, and then he goes right into it. If you look back in chapter 13 again, look what he says. Though I speak with the tongues of men. A lot of misunderstanding today about speaking in tongues. A lot of misunderstanding. Isn't it interesting that it's talking about the love of God and yet everybody wants to focus on some gibberish that nobody can understand. And then he goes on here in verse number one, and he says, he says I am becoming a, sinkling, a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. And he says in verse number two, he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, he says, so that I can remove mountains and have not charity. Look, 
even more important than the prophecy, even more important than the knowledge, even more important than the faith and the confidence. He says, if you don't have the love of God, you are nothing, and it's going to profit you nothing. I've seen some people who are so smart, they're stupid. You know why? Because you can have all knowledge, but if you don't have love to do something with it, what good is it? Right? It's useless. We have to understand the context of what God's given. And so look in your notes there. One verse that I want to give you tonight, we could go back to many verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but look at verse number 7. Look what he says. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to how many people? Every man to profit with all. What is he saying there? He's saying, look, those spiritual gifts that God gives to us, he says they're given to you to use for the Lord, to profit for the Lord. And I think it's plain to see that God has been good to us. And again, when you come to chapter 13, that great gift that the Lord has given to us is His love. You think about the love of God and how great a gift it is to us. The love of God for His people, Jeremiah said it was an everlasting love. Look at the verse there. Yea, though, I, he says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. You know, in spite of what God's people did, guess what God did? He still loved them. I've experienced that in my life. I've made a lot of stupid mistakes. I've done a lot of things I shouldn't have done. But you know what? God still loves me. It's a wonderful thing to think that the love of God is an everlasting love. His love is unconditional, folks. We place conditions on our love, but God's love is unconditional. We find how it's an everlasting love. How about this? His love is what motivated God to send His Son to die on the cross. We all know John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave, well, what did He give? His only begotten Son. Folks, there's a lot of Bibles today that say he, the one and only. No, he, His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, the greatest evidence of the love of God, you know what it is? It is evidence in the death of Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's the evidence of God's love for us. Romans 5, 8, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet what? Sinners, Christ died for us. I think about the love that he has. Jesus hung on the cross and he said what? Father, forgive them. Doesn't that amaze you? That the Son of God that had been brutally treated the way he was could still love those that treated him the way they did, those that crucified him. You know, God didn't stop by just giving his love to us, but here's a great thing is, watch this, as this happened in your life, God's placed his love in our hearts. I find myself, and, and by the way, when I, when I see this and I experience it in my life, I realize that's not me. Anybody ever kind of said that to yourself? That's not me. That's the Lord. I, I see great evidence of that in the Bible. The Apostle Paul, a man who hated Christians, wanted nothing to do with God. And yet I see uh, him and many others. Uh, John, John writes in 1 John 4, 7, 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Jesus said this when he was on this earth. He said, by this shall all men know that ye are my, my disciples, if ye have love one for another. What would make just some rascal uh, say to another, another man, hey, listen, I love you, the love of God. God's love that's shed abroad in our hearts. And I even think about the, what we oftentimes call the, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And there's a list there of nine fruits listed there. Anybody know what the first fruit mentioned is? Love. Look, look at the verse there. The fruit of the Spirit is, and there it is, the very first one mentioned is this matter of love. Not only does God love us, but God caused us to love other people. Paul wrote to those in Philippi, and we studied this about a month or so ago, but in chapter 1 and verse number 8, the Bible says there, as Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I've learned to love you folks. How's that possible? God's love. God's love changed Paul. And God's love should, have, it should be working on you. Look, love is, when you study this book here, 1 Corinthians, and not just chapter 13, this was a young church. Many believe that those that have been saved, it was about, a, most of them have been saved six years or less. And one of the most primary problems in the church in Corinth was that they did not love one another. They were displaying every kind of spiritual gift that was in existence at that time, but they were not manifesting their love one for another. People comment to me a lot of times when they come to our church about how people reach out to them, about how people care about them. That's the way church should be. You know, we should never look at somebody because of the way they look on the outside, because God is interested in the heart. And when you look at, at 1 Corinthians, again, understand that God gives his word in thought patterns. And we might be in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 tonight and maybe next week or so, but understand that, that as God gave his word, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14 really all are one in, in as far as a thought in a unit, you can't separate the one from the other. You have to put all of it together, study it all in its context, and it's so important that we do that, that they are together. And what was the Lord doing here? Well, through Paul, what God was doing was he was calling these Corinthian believers to be more Christ-like. He was dealing with them about maturing in the Lord. Now, there's a lot of Christians today who have not matured in Christ. The Bible talks about when a person is saved that, that they, they desire the sincere milk of the Word. And praise the Lord. I, you know, I think that's a good thing. But can I tell you, God's never intended for us to stay on the bottle, spiritually speaking, he wants us to get to the meatier things. And when Paul was dealing with these Corinthian believers, he was dealing with a lot of immaturity. Now, guess what? All of us 
started somewhere. We all have to start somewhere. But, it, you know, it's, it, if you read the end of this book here, as a matter of fact, let's just look at it. But look what he says here in verse number 11 of chapter 13. Now, remember, he's writing to the church, right? He's writing to believers. And look what he says in verse number 11. When I was a what? Child. I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know, look, can I just, and I don't think I'm doing injustice to the Word of God, but I believe what Paul is God is allowing Paul to write to these believers in Christ in Corinth is, look, it's time to grow up. It's time to realize God saved you. And some of these things that that are trivial that you're focusing on, what you need to do is get back to focus on what is important. And what's important is God's love. See, everybody's focusing on this and this and this. And, and, And listen, we've got to remember how very important God's love is. And so Paul was uh, trying to help these believers to, to mature even in the midst of their childish behavior. Many of them were still uh, living a life that was fleshly. When you study the Word of God, here's what you find is somebody who's not saved is, the Bible refers to them as a natural man. That's an unsaved person. But when people get saved, sometimes People grow and they become a spiritual man, but some people are fleshly. They're saved. They've got one foot in, one foot out. They still enjoy the things of this world, and they they haven't come to the place yet where they realize, now that I'm saved, I I need to put away some of those things, and I need to mature in the Lord. You guys with me tonight? Okay. And I think I'm speaking to folks tonight that, that can understand. I have nobody in mind. There's no particular person that I said, boy, I, you know, I need to go to this chapter because of this person. This Not at all. The truth is all of us need to mature as Christians. And here's why. It's because there's always going to be those, and it, not that we're better than them, but there's always going to be those that are going to be weaker in the faith that we need to be stronger to help those because, listen, there have been many times there's been people that have helped me. You know, but my wife the other day, she, I said something, and she said, she said to me, she goes, that's not very merciful. And, and the truth was, I didn't like to hear that, but it was true. And, I, and after she said it, I thought to myself, that wasn't very Christ-like. That wasn't very mature, you know, and, and, you know, again, I think a lot of times the love is not there. God is love. And we, we need to stop focusing. So many times we focus on childish things. And Paul's trying to help those in Corinth, but the truth is God's given us this letter, this book in our Bible that we still can study today to help us to understand that we're just like the church in Corinth. Sometimes we want to hang on to and make such a big deal out of things that are, that are trivial when the most important thing we're ignoring, and that is the love of God, that God is love. Paul's writing these words to remind them of the spiritual things that they can do, but out of all those things that they could do, the greatest spiritual exercise is what I've been talking about, and that is love. 
the effects of the words that Paul shares with them. It, it, listen, it is meant to remind us that we can have, and, and we'll see this in just a minute, we can have all the spiritual gifts and, and all the abilities, but it, if we don't have the love of God, if we're not doing things the right way, then really, listen, God is not pleased with us. Look what it says in, in the last part of verse number three. It profiteth me nothing. Do we have God's love in our hearts? I'm going to tell you, if you do, it will be evident. It will be evident. So I want to just share with you a couple thoughts tonight as we conclude at this matter of the primacy of God's love, because it is the greatest gift that God's given to the church is God's love for the church. The whole idea of these three verses as Paul starts here in this chapter is dealing with this matter of love being supreme in everything that we can be and everything that we can do is we have to have God's love. So look at number one, love is superior to the sensational. It's superior to the sensational. Look at verse number one again. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I'm become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. You know, you could be a great speaker. You can be among the greatest, but listen, there's, that's no substitute for love. I've seen some people that, that do such a great job. They're, they're such an orator. Their, their speech is beautiful. They're, they're great with their rhetoric, but without love, according to the Word of God, you're just a, a clanging cymbal. You're just making noise. You know, I've, I've been to a few, um, when I was younger, we, I played in the band. I just made a noise, really, is all I did. And I saw a lot of instruments over the years where they would allow them to do a solo, but I've never seen a cymbal solo. <laughs> it honestly would, would probably drive you crazy, you know? <laughs> To, to, to hear that, he says you're just a tinkling symbol. In other words, Paul's saying here, no matter what you say or how you say it or how accurate it may be, he says without love, it's just making noise. Without love, talk is cheap. Being a great orator can move a person's emotions. And I've seen a lot of people who get very emotional when they hear certain things Listen, being great with your rhetoric can move a person's mind. A great speech can move a person's will, but only great love can move a person's heart. You think about the people that came into contact with Jesus. What impacted them was what he said to them and the way that he said it to them. It moved their heart. Somebody said or oratory can move one to tears, but only love can move one to Jesus. If we exercise our tongue in a spiritual fashion, but we do it without the love of God, we are no better than really the world we live in, unsaved people. The acid test of genuine Christianity, it's not language, it's love. If you study the word that's used here in verse 1 and what you see in other places in the book of Acts and, and the New Testament, so many times people get caught up with this word tongues, you know what it means? It's the word glossa. Where we get our word glossary, it means languages. 
you study the book of Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, there were 16 different nationalities that were present there, and Peter stood and preached that day, and they each heard God's word in their own language. And by the way, in that chapter, it says they heard the wonderful works of God. But you see, it was the love of God that allowed them to hear the message. That's the acid test. It's not language, it's love. Tongues without love become an annoying noise, almost entirely without significance. And listen, love is superior, as we see tonight, to the sensational. Look at number two, it's superior to the spectacular. In verse number two, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Now, certainly this verse mentions some phenomenal abilities or gifts that God gives. Listen, love is an indication that there's been a new birth. That's what, that's what, to me, when I see somebody loving the way God has intended, that shows me right there that something has happened in that person's heart. It's an indicator of a new birth. Listen, can I tell you, prophecy is not an indicator of love. You remember what Jesus said? The Bible records in Matthew 7, Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Well, what were they doing? They were prophesying. See, there was a never, never a change in their heart because God's love was not there. So again, an indicator of love is this matter of there was a new birth. If a person is able to reveal the deep meaning things. And that's what it says here in verse number two. It says, understand all mysteries and all knowledge. He's talking about if somebody can reveal the deeper meanings of scripture, but yet they don't have love, according to the word of God, it will add up to nothing. There has to be love. You know, people that have, have sat and listened to Brother Flynn, you know why they enjoy Brother Flynn teaching? Because he loves God and he loves the Word of God, and he loves people. That's what makes the difference. And that Jesus loved everyone that he came into contact with. He says here in verse number two again, that if a person possessed these great gifts, and he mentions prophecy, he mentions knowledge, he mentions faith, if a person has these gifts, but he doesn't have the love of God in his heart, according to the Word of God, he is nothing. Are you guys starting to understand how important it is to have the love of God. Look at the third thing that love is. It's superior to the sacrificial. You think about it so many times people say, well, listen, I'll do this and I'll do this. I'll sacrifice this. Paul writes it this way in verse 3, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profit me nothing. Folks, we can give away everything that we own. And we can uh, give up our bodies to, to the altar of martyrdom, but if we do it without love in our hearts, it's a waste of time. It's not going to profit us or anyone else. How important it is 
to see the emphasis that God is placing here when we get to chapter 13. And, and again, if you're like me, and I, I hopefully, listen, I hope that God has allowed me to say it in a, in a clear, sensible, uh, scriptural way tonight. Boy, when I began to study this chapter, and I just got into a couple verses tonight, it totally, as I was thinking about this, I'm thinking this chapter is not at all what people think it is. Paul's trying to help believers in Christ to mature. Well, how do you mature? By understanding God's love. How important it is to have God's love. God is placing an emphasis here. And when love is absent, the Christian is no better than the unsaved people that he works around, lives around. In verse number one, he mentions he's nothing. In verse two, we can expect nothing. In verse three, without love, it's a waste of time. Look, love is the one factor in the equation that is essential. If the answer is to be uh, what it, God wants it to be, and if look, if love is not there, then guess what? We have nothing. We have nothing. Now, next week, we're going to look, as we look at verse number four, and these are the verses that you've become so familiar with. Look at them. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunted. Folks, study those verses. Because we're going to talk about this matter of love, charity. But we've got to understand the premise that the greatest gift that God has given to the church is love. Because the greatest gift that God gave to us is himself. We need to have the love of God. And I'm going to tell you, if we have the love of God, then God's not going to be saying to us what Paul was saying to those in Corinth. You need to put away childish things. No, God will say, I'm, I'm pleased with you because you're loving others the way I loved you, the way that my son loved you and gave himself for you. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you so much for your love for us. When I think about many times in the month of February that there's a focus on love, but it's all worldly love. And certainly you even said while you're on this earth, by this shall all men know that we are your disciples, that we have love one for another, but we can't love others unless we love you truly and genuinely. And the way that we can love others is to understand how you loved us. Lord, I think of the, the opportunity that we have in this life. So many have bitterness and hatred, but for the child of God, for the church, there should be a genuine love for others. Help us to be identified as people that love others. Thank you for the great example that you are to us, Jesus, and how you loved us. Lord, be with us these next couple days before we come back to your house this coming Lord's Day, that you give us opportunities to love someone. And Lord, as we see that happening, we'll know that it's you working through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.